While it sounds safe, a hospital can be a very dangerous place to be. Uh, there are so many frightening things and risks that you have in a hospital, along with their causes. Um, but there's also easy to implement solutions that could save hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of lives every year. And do you want to know what you can do for your own safety and the safety of your families and loved ones? Well, we're going to get into that for you today. But know this, the U.S. Federal Inspector General, we call him the IG, is the head of an independent nonpartisan organization. And they, they're established to go into these branches, these agencies, in this case the hospital, and discover um, disorders and to investigate misconduct, waste, fraud, and other uh, abuses that the hospitals have, according to the agency. You want to know how many people die from hospital mistakes? In the hospitals every year, we're going to share those startling facts with you according to the IG. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is India Holloway. I am a National Board Certified Colon Hydrotherapist and Iridologist and the author of a book entitled, The Body Doesn't Know How to Die. And uh, I want to welcome all of you today, especially my regular listeners. Let me take a moment to give you a special thanks for being there. And for those that are listening for the first time, thank you for joining us and would like to invite you to come back again next week at this very same time. And while we're on that note, want to invite everybody out there to join us. For uh, this broadcast, and you can give us a call at 310-928-7733 or drop us a line at innerlightradio at yahoo.com. And let me take this moment to give a special thanks and a special acknowledgement to our brave men and women, our selfless men and women in uniform in the armed forces, wherever you are. In uh, on this planet, we are sending out our thoughts and endless love and gratitude and appreciation to you. Uh, this uh, broadcast is not meant to heal or cure uh, or treat any disease, but we will give you education. We will share with you knowledge, and we will give you enough information to keep you above dirt. 
And when I say we, I'm talking about my sister, my co-host, my confidant, Ms. Metanasa. And good morning to you and the listeners, honey. Good morning, Meta. Meta, we're talking about hospitals and hospital stays and things that, you know, go on in hospitals. And I know you have for years worked in hospitals. So a lot of this information, even though it has changed over years because things are more modern, modernized and mm-hmm. and all that good stuff, but. You know, because you've been on the front lines. Well, you, not only that, I have been there recently, in the recent year, and it's a scary place, let me tell you. Mm. The, the, the one doctor walked in, and he was dripping at the nose and wiping his nose with his hand. And I just asked him if he was going to wash his hands before touching me. And so you, you had know, to ask that, and that's ha- that's sad. Oh, I, but he was offended because he said he was, but I didn't know when. But nonetheless, here's the deal: cross contamination is a big issue throughout in the hospital and throughout. Okay, and we need to be more conscious of that for ourselves individually and those around us. Oh, so absolutely. And, yeah. and, you know, we're going to give reasons why people should um, be very cautious when they go to the hospital. This is, and it's not just um, the the germs and the germaphobes and all that good stuff. Oh. But but there's other things. You, you have a psychological harm, just, just the whole idea of being in the hospital if you're admitted. It screws you up psychologically, especially our seniors. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the physical harm, like you said, the germs and the the different things, even airborne germs coming in. It gets into your eyes. It's an orifice to the rest of the body. Mm-hmm. How about how about those things that you don't even consider part of? Um, hospital and just walking in because the hospital as a rule is supposed to be a safe place a hospital as i said can be very dangerous and very frightening but if you are not totally aware of all the things that could happen to one while in the hospital or even visiting hospitals you could come out of there and now you're in a lot of trouble. I want to uh, start out by just something recently that came up that prompted me to want to talk about hospitals and hospital stay. Mm-hmm. You know, here in California, UCLA, the Ronald Reagan Medical Center, one of the newest, if not the newest, um, hospitals in California. This hospital is top notch. I mean, if you walked in, it is like five star everything across the board. You're very impressed just on the entry. But UCLA, Ronald Reagan Medical Center, uh-huh. and Cedar Sinai, the top hospital in California, bar uh-huh. none. Uh-huh has been cited for some things that it will blow one's mind. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, we've talked about these things in the past, Meta, when you go in to get a checkup, like um, uh, colonoscopy. Let's start with that one. They have been cited where there's been a couple deaths from just a physical checkup, colonoscopy. And I know you have a story in reference to your husband having one of those things and what happened to him. But when we're talking about the endoscope, the scopes that's used in a colonoscopy, it's got a little camera. It's very thin. It's, it's a, a wire, so to speak, and it goes through the rectum all the way through to the entire five feet of colon, taking pictures, looking at things, and then it backs on back out of there. Mm-hmm. But what does it leave in its stead? It leaves bacterias because the, that endoscope has not been properly disinfected, cleaned, and prepared for the next person. Ew. Nasty. Mm-hmm. How nasty is that? And nasty enough to kill. Cause when oh, you, absolutely. When you get those bacterias up in there that should not be, the C. diff and all that kind of crazy stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a killer. Now, tell, tell the listeners, because there are some that are listening for the first time that's never heard the story of, of your hubby going in and having his procedure done as a checkup. <laughs> well, he was pretty excited about it because he was an on-task person and likes to be involved with the details. Well, the devil was in these details, okay, because... He did everything, lost five pounds in the very beginning for prep, was looking good, feeling good, went in, and a half an hour after being home, he started declining. And I, was, I asked him, and now when I'm, this man does not want to eat, something's wrong. And he did not want to eat. And then a half an hour later, he wanted to lay down. Well, long and short of the story, when I checked him, I said, you need to go to the hospital. And he's, he didn't want to go. He says, I'll call them first. So he called. They said, get in right away. Well, once he got there, they immediately scheduled him for surgery. They not only uh, punctured his colon, but they ruptured his appendix. Wow. Mistakes in the hospital, people, from somebody perfectly healthy ending up somebody about to check out. Mm -hmm. These are the types of things that one should definitely know about what goes on in hospitals. And it could be the best hospital on planet Earth. Mm -hmm. And and you know something? When you have the, the professionals the healthcare professionals that's not up to task doing things like puncturing. And then on top of that, you have more bacteria in the hospital than any place else on planet earth. Right. We have a caller that just chimed in. Caller, are you there? Uh, I am, but I'm not uh, wanting to say anything right now. Oh, okay. So you're just going to listen in. Just, just. Yes, I am, because I'm, I'm mobile, and I just kind of wanted to just hop on and, and, and see what's on today. Excellent. Okay. 
Jess, if you can put your phone on mute, that would help us. Certainly. We'll pick up your background. Thank you very much. Oh, okay. Okay, so, so when we are, and I love that about that listener. She's mobile, so she's on her phone in a car, and she's listening in. So just know, folks, that that is possible. Um, so when we're talking about getting anything done in the hospital, you have to be your own police officer when it comes mm-hmm. to different things like you did Meta, when you asked the doctor, was he going to wash his hands after wiping mm-hmm. slobber snot all over the place mm-hmm. and wiping it on himself. I mean, that's just flat out disgusting and despicable, mm-hmm. but yeah, ask whether they are annoyed or not. Mm-hmm. It's up to you to take care of yourself. And a lot of people are very passive when it comes to things like that. Well, here's another incident. Uh, a, a friend of mine went in for a gallbladder removal. Now, you know, a lot of that is happening. And she was not going to tell me. I just happened to call her and say, hey, Vic, what's going on? How are you feeling? Blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> and, and she says, well, I'm going in for a gallbladder removal. I said, what? And who did you tell? About this. When are you going? I'm going tomorrow. Well, long and short of that story, this is a perfectly healthy woman. I said, Vic, you never go into surgery or into the hospital without your your group of people, the your your police patrol, your health patrol, your, your posse. Pre- your whole posse. I said, and did you tell your mother you were going to do this? How would that look? Well, by the time I finished giving her the the uh, issues around going in, the very thing I said to her, Indy, I tell you, happened. She came out. She promised me she would call me. She did, and she was groggy. And there was no need for her to be groggy. Plus, they were keeping her overnight. Why was that? This was a in and out patient surgery. When she called me and I noticed she was groggy, I got in my car. I went over to the Air Force Academy. This woman was going into a coma. And I called the nurse and said, get the doctor in here right away. She says, no, she's just sleeping. I said, she is not asleep. And we checked her pedal pulses and everything. And the girl says, oh, dear. And she immediately went and got the doctor. We immediately transferred her to another hospital and put her in a, she was in a coma for 30 days, 32 days. Well, it's so obvious that when I read these statistics, an estimated 400 and 40,000 deaths occur in a hospital. And uh, of these roughly uh, in the United States, now this is occurring on a routine basis. This is an annual occurrence and the numbers are climbing. Mm-hmm. And this is the, uh, the G, the, the IG, the inspector general that's collecting this data and putting it out there. 
and they're saying these deaths are unnecessary, should never occur. These are human errors. And these reports, anybody can find it. If I can find it, anybody can find it. And you need to start looking at little things, like you said, Meta, the little things that you need to do that you're going. Make sure that they know what those situations should be. You're in and out of there the same day. Uh, a half a dozen people ought to know about that. And have a phone number and a safeguard. Safeguard meaning I'll give you a call. Like you said, she said, I will call you. We can talk. I'll let you know how I'm doing. That is one of the safeguards for you when we're talking about saving yourself because they do make mistakes. Uh And when they make mistakes, they they bury them. We do not want to be buried with the mistakes. Unknown. Yeah. Because it is so easy for them to cover up disguise and ignore. It's so easy for them, and it's so easy for you not to know what they were all about. Well, did you see or read uh, Wednesday, May 4th? Uh, This year, of this year, on NBC, they said, go to the doctors or hospital when you are sick in hopes of getting better, and you might end up dead instead. Uh Oh, jeez. I didn't see that article. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's it's so prevalent out there. And um, when you go visiting in the hospital, wash your hands. Wash your hands when you go in. If you use the bathroom, wash your hands before you come out. I mean, that's a giving. But, you know, there are people, Meta, that just for some reason, I don't know what it is, don't like to wash their hands. Mm-hmm. Are you in a hurry to get rid of that little germ? All you have to do is rinse. And and so uh, people go in not knowing that there's airborne stuff. You should go into the hospital prepared to protect yourself. It's like armor. Mm-hmm. And, and um, there's... There's so many other things that happen uh, while you're in your hospital stay. How about, how about falling? How about you as a patient d- being dropped out of a bed? <laughs> I can't even imagine. But Meta, you know what I read that was mm-hmm. so, 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 so scary is that there are, in the course of a year, over 600 babies dropped or oh. bumped in the hospitals. And moms don't know it. Moms don't know it. It is wow. so sad that if, if you drop or bump or a baby falls for some freaking reason, you know, you would think that yeah, they have to just, the moral yeah. fact that they should mention that the baby has done that. And they don't. Mm-hmm. They keep mm-hmm. the statistics. They have those. 
but mom doesn't necessarily know that her baby's been dropped. Mm -hmm. You know, considering the fact that I worked in an intensive uh, neonatal as well as the newborn, uh, there's no excuse for that. That is just outright negligence. Of course. Because if you are skilled enough to work in that area, those areas, especially intensive care, anything, emergency, uh, you should be skilled enough not to have, with these little fragile babies, those kinds of incidents. Oh, of course. And then, as you said, not to report it. And you, you will never know why this infant has uh, had this kind of, any kind of aftermath from it. Mm-hmm. You won't and you, know what you to look for. You would never know. Mm-hmm. And if you catch some of these things in advance, uh, you can procure some of the other oncoming things that could uh, that could happen. Just like with Sister Vicky when she went into the hospital, the only thing that occurred is that she doesn't remember having the events to take place for thirty two days. Mm-hmm. But we we kept going. I had uh, a a friend just last week called me and say uh, said to me, I am going to the hospital to have surgery and it's a, a hysterectomy. Now, not only am I going to police her situation, I am going to prepare her for entering into the hospital and to undergo the surgery itself. And a lot of people don't know that there are certain preparations one should take before uh, entering in the hospital. And and we're talking people that this is something that is um, not an emergency. Uh, If this is an elective surgery, elective surgery, and you're going in because, yeah, I got this fibroid and I want this bad boy removed. It's an alien living inside of me and it's got to go. So, and it should, but Meta, tell them what the preparation you mentioned to shore up her body. Well, there, there are a number of things that you can do, but especially for her, um, if, or, and anyone who wants to keep the, um, what do you call it? The alkaline system, the system alkaline. Take and start drinking a lot of lemon and water. Lemon and water, golden seal, um, olive leaf and uh, oregano, and colloidal silver. And, and all that, I'm listening to that, and it sounds like the oregano kills bugs. Bugs hate oregano. Mm-hmm. That's number one. The silver is a natural antibiotic. It used to be the antibiotic of choice for doctors. Matter of fact, you Mm -hmm. get some silver in a spray bottle. When you go into the hospital, you just spray everything. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. You just start spraying. I take it with me on vacations. I spray the room, Mm -hmm. the doorknobs. I'm not a germaphobe, but I know these things exist. And if I'm on vacation, I don't want to bring back a nasty. Mm-hmm. So you go into the hospital, you take these things, a natural antibiotic, colloidal silver. 
And you, you can spray it everywhere. You can spray it in your eyes. You can spray it in your mouth. You can spray it in your ears, in your hair. I spray it on my dog to kill fleas. It will kill only the unfriendly bacteria or critters, okay? Only it, your friendly flora goes unscathed. Un, uh, they stay intact. For, from that point on, and will happen to um, colonize even more so when they see that free movement going on in there. So then you have your olive leaf extract, and the olive leaf extract kills over 600 viruses, germs, and bacterias, not any of the friendly. So it's another form of antibiotic. You can get that in a liquid form, and you can get it in a pill form. So those are, uh, and of course, lemon water, alkalized naturally. Um, and we're not talking about alkalized water. It's a, it's a little bit of a difference there. One alkalizes, the other is alkalizing. There is a difference. So when you have... The water, which is the purest of all solvents on planet Earth, and then you mix lemon in it, which chases out the toxins. Can you see where there is a difference? So you drink your water and you be saturated with the waters up to a certain point. And then and share this with your doctor because if you're taking medications, you need to know that these things do or will or will not interfere with any of your meds. That is so urgently important. I had a lady in yesterday who just came out of the hospital from mm-hmm. surgery. And her surgery was, uh, she, they were going to do a full hysterectomy and found that there was cancer in there. And mm-hmm. so they only did so much and came out and said, that's it. It's nothing else we can do. You're at stage four, whatever. And, uh, you know, the the things that this person is now going through to try to save herself is uh, is is horrendous. And, and I commend her because her spirits are high. She's doing everything that she's supposed to do naturally that, I hate to be the preacher here, but should have done prior to getting into a crisis. That's what a lot of people don't get. If you do the right thing, it's called prevention. Well, a lot of people do not realize that they are not doing what they should ultimately. And the onset force certain diseases that are so silent and they are, then they take on um, a personality of their own and they give the baby a name such as cancer. And these are the bugs that we're talking about. And in all cases are not the same. So some of these things can be reversed the fact that she is on top of the ground walking around. She talking, has a chance. Absolutely. She, but the, the chances are, if you do not 
have a mindset that you're going to fight this and get rid of it and do 150% to do so, it's not going to happen. Yeah, and, you know, that's one of the things that happens when we talk about reasons uh, hospital stays or the hospital can be very dangerous. A -hmm. dangerous place to be is the delirium. You develop a delirium about this, this whole thing surrounding the hospital, the stay, the diagnosis. And listen to this number, Meta. One out of six people will die from the delirium alone. You have elderly people that go in the hospital and they are just completely delirious where they have to literally strap them down, tie them to the bed to keep them from pulling out wires and hoses and and things out of their body that's there for their safety and to keep them alive. That's, that's called developing delirium. One out of six people will die. You know, our mother, you may not remember this because you were not in Maryland, <clears throat> excuse me, at the time. But when, <clears throat> excuse me, our mother had a massive heart attack. Mm-hmm. She had that delirium to take place and was pulling wires and IVs and what have you. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. Mm-hmm. And, and people will go through that. They'll come out of the hospital and the doctor will say it was a success and we're, we have great hopes and all this. And then they're dead in a couple of weeks or whatever because of the delirium. So again, you have to have a, the, to get rid of that psychological harm, you have to know that there are certain things that you can do to minimize this or, instead of maximizing it. If, again, especially if this is an elective visit to the hospital mm-hmm. and it's not an emergency. So um, that's one of the reasons, again, and then we look at, we, we t- kind of touched on this a little bit, how the C. diff in the hospitals, it remains, uh, you know, infectious up to six months. Uh, this, this little bacteria that is so detrimental, alarmingly, it can remain infectious for up to six months. Let's say you're in the hospital for a week, two weeks, three weeks. Oh, my goodness, how many of those little nasties are crawling all over you? If people are not washing their hands, if people are not doing the things that they're supposed to do over a period of time, it can be very dangerous. Infected people, then you go and you kiss grandma, Right? And then you leave the hospital with a little uh, visitor, a freeloader, going home with you, and then you get sick. Mm-hmm. It's, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm telling you, a little colloidal silver never hurt anything. You know, here's another incident. I was uh, patrolling a patient, and I was just sitting there. And in comes <clears throat> the nurse, and she calls the patient by her name, and she's 
gives her her medication. She pours it in her hand, in the patient's hand. And I just spoke up and said, what happened to the cups? Did you run out? And she says, oh, no, we don't use them anymore uh, or very seldom. But today, you know, I'm just da-da-da. She just blew it off. No, now, you know, it, it, those, are the, those are the types of things that, that you said that and, and the bumps came up on my arm. And mm-hmm. then the hair stood up out of the bump. Mm-hmm. It's just you do not want to do that kind of stuff. If right. you see it, correct it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so this is, this is the thing. Even though she didn't put it in her hands, the nurse herself, she put it in the patient's hand. And the patient's bedridden, gets up, goes to the bathroom, or fluts around in the bed, and she is germy. No kidding. So why would, (laughs) you know, you can get it coming and going any kind of way. I told you, you go in, you kiss grandma, she grabs you by the side of the face. (laughs) You know, come on, people. These germs are microscopic. These bugs, as I call them, are lethal. They are everywhere. We did a whole show, Meta, on bacteria or microborum, the microscopic critters on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. And, and I can't remember the, the, the statistics, but I'm going to give you a paraphrase here. I numbered the amount of humans on planet Earth, compared them to the number of animals on planet Earth. And we are minuscule in comparison to the animals. We're talking four-legged things that run around, monkeys and whatever. And then we measured them against insects. And the number was astronomical. I mean, just, just astronomical. And then we compared the number of insects to the number of microbes on planet earth and and it just went off the richter scale there is absolutely zero comparison and when the people go to space nasa or whoever's going up there these days go to space they're not looking for the little green men with the big eyes and the long fingers. They're looking for microbes, microscopic critters. They do not want to contaminate Earth with whatever's out there, and they don't know what it is. So these microbes that are in hospitals where they're cutting you open, where you're breathing germs from germy people, they say that the, the um, germs in the hospital, most people go in with them, without them, and come out with them. Most people are in the hospital and will die every year from some kind of uh, microbe. Microbe and mistakes that are happening in the hospitals. Mm-hmm. It is amazing how many of those things are going on, we don't even think about it. We don't care to think about it. We don't care to make that part of our life, and you should. I I can't wash my hands enough, 
and I work around more germs than the law allows. As a colon therapist, uh, just germy. Just, I, I work around poop and pee. That's my life every day, all day long. I cannot wash my hands enough. Lady came in yesterday, was her first time in my uh, studio, and she came out, and, and she's from the bathroom after the, at the end, and she says, your place is immaculate. She says, I've gone to some of the better places uh, in Beverly Hills, and I cannot find a place more immaculate than this. I said, I'm, ve- I'm a stickler about, you know, cleaning. Because you do. if I can see it, you can see it. And if I can't see it, uh, I'm really in trouble. I, I have sprays all around, not just for myself, but for people to use. And it's not just sprays for, you know, <laughs> getting odors out the air, but for spraying and wiping down the facility when you're done. And everybody doesn't. But I can tell you this, when they're finished, I am deputy dog. I'm right behind them. <laughs> I'm cleaning it up. And let me tell you who are the ones that I'm definitely cleaning up more behind. It's the boys. Why is that? But, okay, that's just a a whole nother Oprah for a whole nother day. But I go in and I wipe down and I clean up behind them. And it's, I mean, it's a pristine smell by the time the next person comes in and they go in back to back. You should never come to a place or go to a place and you smell uh, stools, nastiness. And sometimes you can't help yourself because you got to go. If you got to go, you got to go. But uh, just make sure you wash your hands and take little white things with you when you come and go. And that will help. Anything will help. The little They're microscopic. You can easily kill them. But if you don't, and they become one of those things that's now following you around, you're in trouble. You know, uh, indeed, a lot of um, the errors in the hospitals are understated. In a large part of it is because the errors by health providers does not have a code. And is not included on the death certificates. Ooh. Yeah. That's, a, that's another one to think about. That's a, that's a cover within mm-hmm. itself. And nor is the medical era listed in the range of cause for the uh, CDC or the uh, medical examiners, coroners, funeral directors. They don't get the real facts yeah and and you know what the cdc that's the center for disease control for those who don't know mm-hmm. who they are the the cdc um is is given a, a whole new list of statistics how how seventy five thousand patients die from infections in hospitals mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. every year so they give they give a whole list of um mm, Things that you can do, ways to be safe when you're in the hospital. They say, speak up. 
Talk to your doctor. Ask questions or worries that you have. Find out, just like we were just saying, they say find out the hospital, uh, uh, what the hospital is doing to protect you. Mm-hmm. If you have a catheter, for example, um, inquire about it. Is it necessary, doc? I mean, absolutely necessary. Give me the statistics. Show me things. Learn about what it is that's going on. And and this will help minimize risk. Catheter. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of germy stuff happening there. Yeah, you that's got, a that's a quick way to get an infection. There you go. Straight from a frontline person. You've been on the front lines, Meta, as a nurse. Mm-hmm. So you know these things. Clean your hands. Watch the doctor. Wash. If they put on gloves and they take them off, they should wash their hands again. Those germs are airborne. Let me tell you. You cannot wash enough. And, and, and get smart about antibiotics, please, people. Well, before you go into that, because that's a subject within itself, all by itself, um, here are some signs and symptoms that you can alert yourself about to know that something is going awry. Number one is the area is very sensitive, very painful. It's red. It's uh, And you have a temperature. If your temperature starts to increase... That means the bugs are on the move, and you need to do something. Get your army. Yeah, because they're going to give you antibiotics when Mm -hmm. you have a fever, because they know it's the bugs, and they Mm -hmm. know antibiotics will kill the bugs. And so ask if tests can be done to make sure that it's the right antibiotic. Because if you do an antibiotic and it's the wrong antibiotic, it could kill you. Mm-hmm. Literally. I, I, I told Meta last night, I had a client that just came from Pakistan. And she, in Pakistan, she was very ill, got a fever, uh, and went to the hospital emergency. And uh, they, they gave her antibiotics. But this is what they said to her. And she repeated it to me, which blew my mind. She said... They told her, I'm going to give you two antibiotics because we don't know which one to give. So we're going to give you two of them. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, those antibiotics set her body into a tailspin. She got sicker from the antibiotics, threw her thyroid out of whack. And, mm-hmm. and she has not been eating. And she's back now. It's been about a month. But she's gaining weight like crazy. Her poor mm-hmm. thyroid is now on a, a, a whole flip-flop mm-hmm. just from the antibiotics. If you don't know, these are the types of things that will kill you. And, and tell your doctor about all of these symptoms. Like you said, Meta, if, if it appears red, if it's, uh, if it's, even if your body is hot in one, in one place, if uh, if there's all kind of little things happening in that one spot, you need to make sure that that is addressed. Mm-hmm. And speaking of airborne, if you start having a persistent cough, 
then it's most likely you've picked up something. Mm-hmm. And, so, it's, and it's stuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. If you are a, uh, if you're a diabetic and you have to do shots, uh, you know, this is one of the things that will, uh, take in a little nasty at the same time. You got to be real careful with those things. And, and some people, some diabetics that are taking insulin through injection is, um, they are out in the world doing that. I mean, they're, they go into the bathroom or they, you know, do whatever they do. I've never watched them do it, so I really don't know. Uh, so, uh, but it can be pretty dangerous giving yourself shots. And then you notice that over a period of time, you, you, your body gets tired of that shot going basically into the same area. And you have little telltale signs of it. What what are those telltale signs, Meta? Well, pain in that area, persistent pain. Okay. And and then again, going back to uh, tenderness, you know, upon touching it. Mm-hmm. And um, what's the other one? The uh, redness, discoloration, things of that nature. Yeah. But out of the ordinary, things that just... Just should not be. Mm-hmm. So if you are now, let's take you as a diabetic and shooting insulin, have to be in the hospital for a stay. You have to be real careful with that to not pick up any infections there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, just prepare yourself. Make sure that you're doing everything that you're supposed to do. Let's say you go in for a hysterectomy, but you're a diabetic shooting insulin. You know, how about just making sure you're all the way down so that you don't have incidents or issues with your sugar levels going high now, in the hospital? Hold that thought. Now, our cousin, 42 years young, diabetic, went into the hospital because he had an infection on his toe. And they were going to de- clean it up, which is called debridement. They're going to clean it up and uh, send him back home. He died. Hmm. That was Bernard. Yeah. He died. That's what he died from. And the family didn't know because, now I can say this now, I was working at the hospital at the time. What they did was he died on the table. Oh, his, his, and they, they hooked him back up and put him out in the recovery room, intensive care, excuse me. And then they eventually pronounced him dead and said it was from, uh, 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 some sort of respiratory arrest. It was not. And so I just kept feeding them information and finally they, made um, amends to the acknowledgement that they did. It was era, hospital Mm. era. Well, real nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, So so you you cannot go in half-ass. You you cannot. 
you cannot, excuse me, you cannot have any kind of surgery or uh, treatment when your glucose levels are high. When your CRP, C-reactive protein levels are high, you cannot have any kind of invasive treatment because it will make you slip into a coma. Now, C-reactive protein, for those folks that need to know what that is, stands for, uh, oh, CRP is C-reactive protein. And it's a marker for inflammation. And, and there are a lot of people have high inflammation and don't know it because the doctors don't do CRP when they draw their blood. I sent a lady in and asked her to get her CRP just as a precaution. Mm-hmm. Ask the doctor. Mm-hmm. You know what the doctor told her? Right. You don't need it. Right. And I'm, uh, and I'm saying, okay, so you don't need it. What's the harm in doing it? Help me out here. Mm-hmm. If it's not necessary, what's the harm in doing it? If you want to know what it is, if and and this is what she didn't do when I told her about CRP. I explained what it is, how it works, and what to look for. Now, go home, go on your computer, check out with your best friend Google, and find out, educate yourself on CRP. So that when the doctor says, it's not necessary. You can have a conversation instead of being dictated to. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens to most people. They mm-hmm. don't educate themselves. They don't arm themselves with the information that they need. And so there they are hanging out there. So now she's got to go back at another time or go get a second opinion someplace else or a second blood drawn someplace else to get her CRP if she is now more, a little more educated on the things that she needs to know. But uh, it's just so much going on out there that we don't know that will kill us uh, until... We have to arm ourselves with everything possible. And C-reactive protein is one of those armors. It's a very important lab result that you need to know because it is a marker for inflammation throughout the whole entire body. And if it is high, then it means it has become systemic, meaning that every part of your body is affected. Every part of your body now, is affected. When, this is when doctors are getting real smart. They're doing a CRP and a C-reactive protein. And, and they are reading back, dictating to their patient the reading of this panel, this blood panel that they did. And they get to the CRP and they say it's within normal range. Mm-hmm. You do not want that as uh, explanation. You want a number. You know, one of the reasons why they give answers as you have uh, just given us hmm. is because they don't know. A lot of them don't. I've talked to doctors that don't know what CRP is. Mm-hmm. So you get it? 
you see it, you don't know, and they don't know how to explain it to you. And they tell you it's not a big deal, but every disease and every disorder in the body is a remnant of inflammation. So why wouldn't it be important? Especially if you have a disease like uh, diabetes, I mean, and, and cancer. I mean, all of them are autoimmune system disorders, and they breed on the fact that inflammation. Now, inflammation isn't bad. It's, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other, because good inflammation comes to protect the body. Mm-hmm. But when your body becomes ravished with a lot of inflammatory, systemic inflammatory uh, flow in the body, then it, be- then it becomes a problem. Uh, and, yeah, when it becomes a problem, when we say a problem, it is a problem. It's near death. Or it's it's conjuring up death. It's like mm-hmm. a voodoo doll, right? Stick mm-hmm. some pins in it. It's going to come to life. You stick enough pins in it, it's going to happen. So you def- definitely want to make sure you get information, arm yourself, so that when you are talking to your doctor, you have educated yourself well enough to have a conversation and to know what your rights are so that you're on top of it all. Mm-hmm. You know, just, I want to touch on what you said earlier, just a little bit earlier, about the antibiotics. It says, according to the C- uh, CDC, at least 2 million people each year are affected with bacterial resistance to antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Now, of that 2 million, at least 23 um, million people, 23,000 people die each year as a result of the um, antibiotic resistance bacterial infection. That means that they've given so much antibiotics and this body has taken so much antibiotics over a period of years until those bugs are very tenacious. They, mm-hmm. They're very smart. They know exactly what to do. And wait a minute, their smartness goes into DNA, which mm-hmm. means they know what that antibiotic is. They've zoned in on it. They've picked up on it. They know what it is. They put it in their DNA, and then it grows into their next bug generation. So that when that antibiotic comes into the body, they can resist it because it's part of them. Did you get that? Now, hmm. when, and this is because they're chemicals. And, and things that are natural, uh, chemicals are a whole nother Oprah. When we're talking to, or we're, when we're talking about natural antibiotics like olive leaf extract and colloidal silver... It comes from nature, and the bugs cannot duplicate it. So when we spray it, when we use it, when we take it, we are shoring up these bodies, and the microborum, the nasty bacteria, cannot come in and take over. Hello. What did you just do? You just saved yourself. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so, so bacteria. Um, 
you know, you keep them away. You can resist them on your own by just doing natural things. Just making sure you know your body well enough. When you are taking in lemon and water every day, knowing that the lemon pushes water or pushes the back, the uh, toxins out quicker, knowing that water is the best solvent on planet Earth, knowing that there's a lot of things that you can do if you just drink your water. And there are people still today, as we speak, live and breathe, that will not drink water. I don't get it. Do not get it. They say they don't like water. What is there not to like? Water is... 70 to 80% of your body and everything that your body does requires it to do it. Whether it's to blink, keep your eyes moist, keeps your mouth, your salivation that helps digest your food. It helps with circulating the blood in your body. If it's not enough blood, if it's getting too thick because there's not enough water in there, you will conjure up a blood clot. What does that do? There's so many things that you need to recognize about the little things, the important things in life that's going to save you. Not just in the hospital, washing your hands, but in everyday life. Meta, tell people where we can reach you. You can reach me at metanasa at hotmail.com. Thank you, Meta. Mm -hmm. My name is India Holloway, your host here on the Inner Light Radio. I'm here every week, every Wednesday from 10 to 11 West Coast time. And please join us again next week at this very time where uh, I always say with love and great gratitude for you being there. Ciao for now. Mm -hmm.